This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Thanks for staying tuned to the morning run with Keith Kam. I'm Wong Xiaoning. It is 8.37. It's Monday, the 26th of February. And in about 30 minutes, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, let's talk about Trump's continued dominance in the Republican rep- presidential race. Because South Carolina was ugly, arguably the best bet for former Governor Nikki Haley to stamp her mark in the Republican presidential race. But the Trump train proved too fast for her to catch up in the state's primary held on Saturday. Donald Trump easily won the state, earning 60% of the vote versus Haley's 39% and further cementing the likelihood of a Biden versus Trump rematch in November. And although Haley has vowed to stay in the race going into Super Tuesday on March 5th, when 16 states hold their primary votes, few believe she has any hope of clinching the Republican nomination. However, with legal challenges galore looming over the Trump campaign, can he survive to become the Republican presidential candidate? For analysis on this, we are especially on the South Carolina primary, we speak to John S. Jackson, visiting Professor South Illinois University Good morning, Professor Jackson. Now, why was Nikki Haley unable to make headway in the state that she formerly governed and apparently is very popular? Well, these results show Trump's deep support among most of the base of the Republican Party at the grassroots level. It's also very strong, uh, very high-profile support among senators, governors, uh, members of the House of Representatives who endorse. And in South Carolina, both senators as well as the governor endorsed Trump. But that all being said, I want to add a serious uh, codicil here. Note that this is all primary strength. Those are signs of real weaknesses, however, in the general election. If you look carefully, Number one, she got 39.5 or almost 40% of the vote in a Republican primary. She did very well among independents, among Democrats, and among independents and moderates. And she also did very well among the better educated. These are constituencies that you have to win in the general election, and Trump has consistently showed uh, serious uh, limits in those constituencies. So it's a more mixed bag, I think, than the American media have been talking about. Professor, uh, most, like you said, most American media have already considered it a pretty much a done deal that uh, Trump will be the uh, GOP's candidate. And, and uh, Nikki Haley has about to soldier on at least until Super Tuesday. Do you do you see any plausible pathway for her to stay in the race and become the uh, presidential candidate for the GOP? Well, I think uh, she will stay in through March the 3rd, Super Tuesday. And I think she has very slim chances of going beyond that. And the reason is, in both cases, money. Currently, she has the money to get from here uh, through Super Tuesday. But if she doesn't win somewhere or come very, very close somewhere, the money will dry up. The big financiers and even the small donors won't continue to stay with her after that. In the meantime, we know Donald Trump is facing a galore of legal cases. And even recently, he's got fines of more than upwards of 400 million US dollars. Now, 
Could it be possible that he is disqualified from the elections due to one or more of his legal cases? And is this likely to happen prior to November's elections? Well, it depends on when disqualification happened. And the crucial date here is third week of July when the National Convention is held. If it were to be before the National Convention, then the National Convention could still settle it. If it's after, then the Republican National Committee would settle it. I think it's highly unlikely to happen because Trump and his legal team and all the five cases have delayed, delayed, and delayed, and so far, fairly successfully. And I'm curious, all those fines, right, which he has to pay, although he's reportedly a billionaire, does it put a dent in his campaigning efforts or at least his his reputation as this billionaire, this man that gets things done? Yes, to all of those. He's got to uh, somehow put up in escrow uh, $455 million and start paying interest. And that's tough even for Donald Trump to do, number one. Uh, It certainly puts a dent in his image as a successful businessman. It points to all kinds of cutting of corners and all kinds of shenanigans that he's always been famous for. Uh, So it's a real problem for him there as well. Professor, um, okay, so if we have Trump as a clear Republican presidential frontrunner, who do you reckon would be his uh, vice his running mate? Well, the most popular list right now, top of those lists are three of the people that ran against him, vice president, Uh, For vice president, uh, there is a possibility of Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who is a businessman, and one that you may not have heard of is Governor Christy Noem from South Dakota. All of those are very real possibilities. I think it's just who really kisses the ring of Donald Trump the best, and he thinks he can push around the most easily, it seems to me, or the most likely criteria. Now, given Biden's low popularity polls in the head-to-head against Trump, do you actually see an alternative Democratic candidate for president at this time of the race? Uh, Well, Take your second question. No, I don't see an alternative. And then back to the first. Actually, the polls show a very tight race Mm -hmm. if you look at a lot of polls over time. And if you average the polls, the difference has been one, one and a half percent easily within the margin of error. So really, it's a tight race. Uh, It is true that Trump has led more polls than Biden has, but that lead is within the margin of error in many, many of the polls and very few of them outside. And occasionally Biden has had an outlier where he's outside of the margin of error in his advantage. So I would look at it as tied. Okay, Professor Jackson, then what does it boil down to come November? What will be the determining factors in terms of which candidate will be the next president of the United States? Well, turnout will be critical. It always is. And the Democrats have got to get their base and their sympathizers to the polls. 
they have a harder time doing that ordinarily than Republicans do. But many of the Democrats at the base are quite up in arms about Trump and chaos they see that he causes. They're up in arms about the whole question of abortion, uh, aid to Ukraine, whether or not we can keep the government open come next Monday. Uh, we are staring down March 1 and March the 7th as deadlines when we've got to have another one of those sort of charades that we go through over whether or not to start shutting down the government. All of those are going to be critical factors uh, when it comes to the general election. Professor, so it does look very, very likely it's going to be a Trump versus Biden rematch. Uh, so we've got Trump who is facing at least four criminal charges and some of the trials will begin at, this, at the end of next month. And we've got Biden whose uh, presidency has been defined by high inflation as well as you know all that turmoil abroad. What would Americans like yourself be considering uh, when you guys go to the polls on, on November 5th? Is it going to be uh, a case of who is the least bad option? Well, there is something to that, and there are polls showing that American people are not happy about having to face this rematch. But nevertheless, I think there will be some critical issues. I think inflation has been economically the most important question there is we've had inflation now for long enough that people may come to accept it as they always have in other inflationary eras uh, because the new base is simply going to be a higher price to pay for things like groceries and gasoline, for example. And it uh, looks like we're going to have a soft landing in the stock market and in uh, the whole question of whether or not there's a recession. All of that could begin to look a great deal better and sink in much more widely, which would help the Democrats as the year goes on. I think the thing that will help Trump the most is immigration and the crisis on the southern border. Mm. Professor Jackson, in the minute that we have left, as an outsider, I hear many podcasts and a lot of commentary on Biden's age. How much of it is a deciding factor at the polls? Let's say again, how much... Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, how much of it? Sorry. How much of what how, did you say? How much of uh, Biden's age is a factor to be considered oh, when it comes to Biden's the elections? Age. Yes. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yes, exactly. It is an absolute factor. He can't change it. He can show that he's still vigorous and get testimonials of people that have worked carefully with him in very complicated situations, such as Netanyahu mm. testified the next day that he had all those phone calls and it's nothing wrong with Biden's mind or his memory. So those kinds of testimonials counter that argument, but it's still a very significant issue. And Joe Biden is what he is. And He's going to try to turn the tables and say, well, Donald Trump's only three years behind me and he's showing all kinds of incoherent uh, speeches that he's made. So take your pick. All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was John S. Jackson, visiting professor of the Southern Illinois University at Carbondale, helping us unpack what happened in South Carolina and how the U.S. presidential race is is unfolding. Up next, we'll be diving into the results from Telecom Malaysia, Sports Auto, Mr. DIY and more. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. 
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.